You're listening to the Capitol Press Room, and we're turning our attention to agriculture issues in New York, including language in the state budget and remaining policies for the final weeks of the legislative session. And our guest is Jeff Williams, Director of Public Policy for the New York Farm Bureau. Welcome back to the show, Jeff. Thanks for having me again. So from a 10,000-foot view, how did New York's agriculture industry fare in the state budget? You know, it's a mixed bag. I guess it typically is for everybody every year. But, yeah, there were some very good things in the budget for us, including a refundable investment tax credit just for agriculture that's designed really to incentivize investment on farms. We've been waiting for this kind of program for 10, 20 years now, and it finally came to fruition. But this allows farmers to invest in equipment, machinery, land, structures, and have a very favorable return on their investment from New York State. And what has been the challenge for farmers in not having access to a tax credit like that previously? You know, it's tough farming. That's probably no no uh, surprise to anyone. It's probably even a little bit more hard to farm in New York State, given the business environment. Not really knowing what the future looks like in the market or in New York State, farmers have definitely been holding off on making investments because those are costly, especially now with inflation. So this is a signal from New York State that New York really wants farmers to stay and thrive in the state. We've heard from some farmers in the past, though, when it comes to tax credits, that they're not necessarily super excited about them, either because of the way they're implemented or the paperwork involved. Is it your expectation, though, in the case of this refundable investment tax credit that farmers are, one, looking forward to utilizing it, and two, will be able to utilize it? Yeah, this this is something that they're very familiar with already. There already is an investment tax credit in in the state for all businesses. This change makes it refundable. So if a farm doesn't have any tax liabilities, they actually get a check back from New York State. So this is something they're very used to doing, not I very, very unlike the overtime tax credit, which is going to be very cumbersome. And how much money are we talking about here? Because it's one thing for the state to offer a refundable investment tax credit that has you know, a cap of $1,000, and they're looking to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars. Right. But is this a meaningful program? There's no cap on <laughs> it right now, and so we're going to see what the uptake is on, on farms. I expect it to be pretty sizable talking to farm accountants across the state. They expect sort of a a gold rush. Well, another major change in the state budget to the economy more broadly is a new minimum wage rate for New York that's going to be phased in and then tied to the consumer price index. What does that mean for our farmers right now? You know, it's one step forward, two steps back, really, when it comes to the business environment in the state. Farmers are price takers, not price makers. It doesn't matter what you grow or produce dairy, fruits, vegetables, whatever, your price is set either by the federal government when it comes to dairy or by the marketplace uh, when it comes to other commodities. And when we continue to be an island in New York State with increasing wages, it's just continued slimming of our margins. We used to be able to get a $5 profit on a box of sweet corn. Now we're down to $1 or $2 profit. Farmers then begin to ask themselves, why am I busting my butt, you know, all day long, 12 hours a day for $2 margin. And so the more the wages increase, the slimmer that becomes. And, and labor in this state is, in agriculture, is, is our highest cost. 
is there any potential benefit to the industry by having workers who might theoretically make more money? Is there some sort of holistic benefits to this more broadly? Or is the problem simply the one you've outlined that uh, this is just going to raise costs while not uh, giving farmers an opportunity to also raise their income and revenue? Yeah, you know, it's such a tough decision. You know, it's a tough, complex process. And inflation cuts both ways. I mean, we, we get it. Farmers get it that, you know, workers have lost some purchasing power. But everything on the farm side, employer side, is increased from, you know, from feed and fertilizer to plywood. No one is happy with the situation. And so farmers are already paying way over minimum wage in most cases. Uh, you know, it, it has a chilling effect, frankly, on, you know, the first job, you know, kids who come, or in high school want to get a job on a farm. You know, it's when they're in 10th grade, they're not really worth 16 bucks an hour, to be perfectly fair. But they're the ones we're the ones who train those people to that be the next generation on the farms. And, and so it has, you know, that escalatory effect in all wages. And then it has the other impact of having you know, young kids really get locked out of a job. Well, another thing that the agriculture industry looks for from the state budget every year is funding for different grants and programs. How did funding for these types of initiatives stack up this year compared to previous years? Yeah, it was sort of a status quo year for us, which isn't a bad thing. You know, the governor really filled 85, 90 percent of our budget needs in her executive budget. And so the Senate and the Assembly didn't have to do much to restore funding to last year's levels. In some cases, they did see, we did get increases in some important programs for the New York Center of Ag and Health. You know, they're the ones on farms for, uh, for to, to help train farm workers and farmers on how to apply pesticides safely, how to use respirators, you know, do a lot of, you know, COVID checks, things like that. So we were happy that they're going to get an increase in, in funding. Well, moving forward, what's the remainder of the session look like for you? Are there things you're hoping to get done, or are you more focused on stopping certain bills? Yeah, a little bit of both. On the positive side, we're really pushing a bill that would add a representative from the agricultural industry to state building codes council. So many building codes rules impact farms and farm uh, structures. Uh, you, even with the electrification uh, language that's in the governor's budget, you know, there's language exempting farms based on codes council's regulations. So we would love to have a actual person on the codes council with knowledge of how agriculture works. So that's something that's passed the assembly and we're hopeful to get it out of the Senate before the end of session. On the other side, you know, we're continually battling pesticide restrictions. You know, we've, we've been doing this for the past couple of years. Uh, and, you know, we believe that the EPA and DEC are the ones that are have the regulatory authority to restrict access to pesticides based on science. We are very uncomfortable when the legislature, who aren't scientists, are, you know, get involved and try to make regular, try to make law restricting access to really, really beneficial products that farmers need to increase their yield. Uh, and protect their, their crops from, from pests. Well, finally, I noticed that you didn't mention addressing uh, what will be the state's official vegetable as part of your priorities for the rest of 2023. Is that because you can't decide between the onion and sweet corn or <laughs> because you're thinking that something else should be in there? What's the issue, Jeff? Why are you holding back we, on me? We are keeping our powder dry in this one. We think all vegetables are important. 
and count. And we want to make sure that all vegetables are continued to be the state vegetable. We don't want to pick winners and losers in this fight. Well, my real last question, though, Jeff, is going to be about <laughs> cannabis. And I'm curious if there's anything that you're looking for in this space for uh, cannabis cultivators, whether it's a relief uh, after being basically unable to sell most of their products for their first year of the growing season or some sort of other expanded authorization for what cannabis uh, farmers can do with their uh, crops. Yeah, you really highlighted the, the issue. They've been growing great product now for a year and have zero outlets for it because the, the, the process for getting retailers, you know, greenlit has been glacially slow. And so we are definitely looking for opportunities to allow farms to, you know, maybe sell it on, in farmers markets. I know it's a long shot or from the farm, but we're sitting on a backlog of very good product that's going to go bad if, if we don't uh, get it to consumers. And so we're really hopeful that we can get retailers on board and farms get the flexibility to, to uh, sell their product. Well, we've been speaking with Jeff Williams. He's the Director of Public Policy for the New York Farm Bureau. Thanks so much for making the time, Jeff. Thank you. Support for Capital Press Room provided by the William G. Pomeroy Foundation. Communities across the Empire State have stories to tell. A roadside marker funded by the William G. Pomeroy Foundation can help your town or city educate the public, encourage pride of place, and promote local tourism. More about the Pomeroy Foundation's New York State Historic Marker Grant Program for 501c3 organizations, nonprofit academic institutions, and local state and federal government entities at wgpfoundation.org.